Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. So, uh, well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Thanks for that. All right, we've got lots of things to uh, talk about here this morning before we dive in. Just first of all, well, welcome everybody online. Thanks for being here at the early service. Um, beautiful off-season, isn't it amazing? Just still have green leaves out there on some of the trees. Just wow, I've never... Not at least in 20 years, I've never seen that before this long into the season. It's an extended fall, which I'll take every year, right? It's pretty awesome. Hope you're getting out to enjoy, enjoy some of that. Um, want to just invite you into community. Obviously, um, especially this time kind of off season is a, a great way to kind of sink in and into the community. And uh, we got several ways for you to do that that are great first steps just to get to know folks. Um, we got men's studies throughout the week, Wednesday morning and Friday morning here in Dan Valley. Wednesday, women's studies here Wednesday morning and also Mid-Valley as well. Um, Ignite is our 20s and 30s uh, singles group. Uh, that they are doing, so they're actually, they're getting, they get together every other Tuesday, they're getting together this Tuesday, um, so you can call the church if you want details about that. Um, also, the Outpost, we started a Sunday night service right here um, at every Sunday at 6 p.m., so if you have friends or folks that you know who are working or because of their schedule, whatever, they can't make Sunday morning, uh, Sunday night is a great uh, time, and we have an extended time of prayer there and ministry time, too, uh, for those of you obviously are welcome to come back for that. Um, we mentioned Fall Festival coming up. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. It is at 3 p.m., though, on Sunday, the 31st, in a couple weeks. And is Jan here, Gesley? She might be coming. I know she told me. So I think showing up here at any point out front is going to be, she picked up a uh, new PRC van. And uh, so just want to, you'll see that and you'll see her and uh, the Pregnancy Resource Center um, is amazing. The ministry that they have done for years now and Jan has been at the helm for many, many years. So if you see her, ask her what that's all about. It's exciting stuff. And um, let's see, before I bring up Chase and Megan, got one other thing to do. I don't know if you all saw this, but, um, and Roy and Jan, I hope you're watching um, this, but uh, Roy Holloway um, has been here for eons, right? Uh, <laughs> his family um, helped carry some of the stones of the founding part of this church. Uh, Roy has served in this community in many, many ways, served the church in many, many ways from a generation. I think when this came out, he this uh, on the 12th, the county here um, gave him the Greg Mace, um, the Lifetime Cares, Cares Lifetime Volunteerism Award and uh, honored him with this um, this last week. I just want to read this because I think this is pretty awesome. And to just honor Roy and his service of, of being here. But this is a proclamation of the Board of County Commissioners of Picking County, Colorado, honoring Roy Holloway. Um, whereas Roy Holloway has been a member of the Aspen Volunteer Fire Department for 26 years and has served as fire department chaplain and spiritual leader for the past 15 years. And whereas Roy Holloway organizes the fire department honor guard and is a long-time grill man helping to feed the public after countless 4th of July parades, and whereas Roy Holloway extends his cooking prowess to summer picnics and other events for Crossroads Church, whereas he has served the flock for more than 20 years, 
And whereas Royal Holloway, and I think it's even longer than that, Royal Holloway allows, uh, always shows up to help usher disabled veterans during the annual winter trip to Aspen and Snowmass, whereas Royal Holloway is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the local suicide hotline, offering his bottomless empathy and his calm, steady voice to those who need him during their darkest hours. Folks, on our webpage too, his personal phone number is available 24 hours to anybody who needs it who's in crisis. Amazing. And uh, just how he's ministered to so many people there. Roy Holloway has been described as loyal, compassionate, faithful, and kind, and he doesn't shy away from a hug. He wholeheartedly gives back to his community. The world needs more Roy Holloways. I completely agree. I love that line. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed, the Picking County Commissioners and the people of Picking County are honored to recognize Roy Holloway with the Picking County Cares Lifetime Volunteerism Greg Mace Award, dated the 12th of October, 21. Great job, Roy. Incredible, yeah. That is truly being a servant and... Uh, Living it out. That is awesome. Um, okay, with that, um, man, y'all come on up here. If y'all haven't met Megan and Chase Ruskus, um, Chase was with us for years and years, and out in the mission field, y'all come over here in the, in the middle, and um, just an awesome story, and we don't have time to get into all that right now, obviously, and God just in his amazing timing, amazing story, right, of God, uh, uh, how he connected you all in the midst of serving, right, um, uh, it was in L.A., wasn't it, somewhere among, among uh, yeah, among uh, the people group you're working with, shall we say. I almost said it. <laughs> but since we're live, we've got to be a little careful. Um, because these two folks, uh, I, I tell you, I, I just, I can't say enough to say just the calling of God um, on their hearts to go as a family into some of the hardest places in the world with the love of Christ. And, uh, and that just gives me huge encouragement. So uh, thank you guys. They've been serving in the Middle East and, um, and now are making a big transition to kind of Northern Africa. And, um, and so maybe just share with, um, with us just a little bit of that transition um, that you can of what is kind of shifting y'all's focus um, in this season. Yeah, first off, I just want to say thank you because uh, you guys have been really involved with us. You've been praying for us, sending us emails, concerned about us, loving us, and uh, we are forever indebted uh, to you guys. We don't take this lightly. We take all of you guys very seriously, think about you, pray for you. So thank you guys so much uh, from the bottom of my heart just for being concerned about us. Um, we are shifting from the Middle East. That's where we were living, and now we're going to North Africa. Uh, it was quite a few years ago. Uh, Greg Livingstone, who used to be a pastor of this church, and he also is the founder of the organization that we work for, he, um, he took, uh, took us out to lunch uh, one day back here, Steve and I, and he cast a vision for, um, for a country in North Africa that's really on his heart. And he was wondering if I would ever want to go there. And I was a single then, this was a long time ago, and I said, yes, I would love to be part of a place that's highly overlooked, uh, people don't really go to this country very much because mm -hmm. of danger or because mm -hmm. of um, unrest or because it's challenging and difficult and not safe. So we would love to yeah. be a part of that. And I said yes back then. Mm -hmm. And she wants to share something. Yeah, um, another reason is just really out of obedience. We spent some time about a year into um, our time living in our last country and just really wanting to pray about what's next and what the Lord has next for us. And so as we were doing some listening prayer, we really just felt him shifting us and calling us to this place 
in North Africa. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. yeah, we're excited to see what he does with our, our obedience. It's awesome. It's, it's awesome to think, those of you who know Greg, who pastored this church back in the 70s, um, and who uh, was called from here to the mission and started, it's the Lord's organization for this people group. And how he got into all this was being called to pray for this country that y'all are going to. So, uh, Greg, I hope you're watching, and because that will thoroughly encourage him for sure. Um, well, how, uh, I guess, what, what are you all wanting us to join with you in prayer? What do you all want to see there happen, and, and how can we join in prayer? Yeah, so there's, there's many things that we would love to see while we're there. Um, one of the biggest things that we have been praying for and will continue to pray for is, is it, um, like his miracles, is, it, um, is the miraculous things that, um, that are unexplainable, things that can't be dismissed, uh, things that can't be overlooked. So we will persist in prayer and we will persevere. Uh, we really want to see miracles happen um, where we're headed. Mm. Yeah, and just really have these people fall more in love with Jesus. Like, they know him as a prophet, but we want him to know him in a loving way as a, as a father, as a savior, a Lord and savior, um, and just bring them to, to obedience as disciples. And so, yeah, we're just really excited to go there and just share about who he is um, and bring hope since there's so much darkness um, where they live. Um, and, yeah, just have hearts changed to obedience and, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, let me pray on that note. Father, Lord, we are um, in full partnership and agreement with Chase and Megan in this incredible calling, Lord. I just pray for the empowerment, Lord, of your spirit upon them. Lord, I pray for their team. And Lord, we know, just like the book of Acts, for tough areas, Lord, the truth of the gospel goes hand in hand with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just ask for an overflow, an outpouring, Father God, a Lord, for, for the, the love of these people, that they would be set free, Lord, from such darkness, Lord, and they would see the love of Christ, Lord. Um, pray you'll continue to just uh, show up in their dreams, Lord, that's happening, and, and do mighty things, Father. Lord, I just pray for Chase and Megan, they'd be able to see an amazing, uh, Lord, fruit, Father, um, a harvest, Lord, for your glory, Lord, that your church would would grow and thrive, disciples would be made, Lord, for your glory. Strengthen them, protect them, Lord. Pray that you'll guide each of their steps, Lord, in this transition, Lord. We rejoice to get to send them and be a little part, Lord, of, of this awesome ministry, Lord, for your glory and your name. Lord, your command to us is to make disciples of all nations. And Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Chase Mangle will be uh, out in the fireplace room after um, the service and both services. And I just encourage you to go and um, spend some time getting to know them. Ask, uh, they can be a little more open, obviously, if you talk to them in person. And uh, be great if you just put it, if the Lord puts it on your heart to be a part of their team, um, they'd love to invite you on that team. It is awesome uh, what they're doing. So um, well done, gang. Yeah, thank y'all. Yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, you know, um, Northern Africa and, uh, and tough stuff might be just a little bit like uh, overwhelming to you. And so I just want to encourage you, we start locally, right? We start locally by taking a step of faith. We start locally by stepping into community somehow, someplace, into a Bible study, into just saying, Lord, help me grow. Help me lay hold of this life, Lord, that you've called me to. And so again, I just invite you, wherever you're at this morning, to, to make a move, take a step, right? And, and encourage others Lord, to, to step in uh, to this life. 
So we uh, are in Revelation. If you're just joining us, we are about to end with this morning. We're going to look at the letter of the Church of Philadelphia. And we are in chapter 3 of Revelation. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 13. Next week, we'll wrap it up with the, the letter to the Church of Laodicea. I just invite you to read ahead. Read ahead to the Church of Laodicea, the message there, and be prepared when you come in just for God to speak to you as to us as a church. Um, Lord, um, each of these letters right, ends with, He who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so we need to tune our ears in. Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying that we might hear and, uh, and heed your, your calling in this hour, right? In this hour. These letters are for the church throughout all time, throughout all history. Uh, but the Holy Spirit brings a, a fresh prophetic word, a fresh understanding of this for those who have ears to hear, for the church, right? To heed these things, right? In this time. And so I just encourage you to read ahead and just have the Lord speak to you. Lord, speak to me. What does this mean for my life, my family, Right, as well as our church, right, during this during this time. Um let me just dive in this morning, and I don't have the clicker, so you're gonna have to help me out if you'll go to the next slide there. Um perfect. Um gonna talk about open heaven, open doors. That line, folks, is critically important, and we'll get to it here um this morning. But I just want to start by just asking some questions. Um Remember back, what was it like when you first came to Christ? What was it like when you first started feeling a hunger for God or started your soul started shifting away from your world, your selfishness, and just kind of life, you know, numb? But what was it like? What was happening in your life, right? When, when, when God, the Holy Spirit, was starting to illuminate, starting to awaken something inside you, and, uh, and then the next question is, is who are the people in your life that were sharing Jesus with you? Do you know the people who were praying for you? Because I can promise you, whether you know it or not, people were praying for you. And um, I've shared my testimony many times, and this just made me think about uh, my great-grandmother. I only met her, at least one, the one I remember meeting her. She was in the hospital, and, and she didn't leave the hospital, and, and she passed away. But I remember going in as a child, and she was close to death. But her Bible was there. It was open in her lap. And, uh, and she was a mighty prayer warrior. And uh, I, I remember even just in her weakness, her praying over us, her praying over our family. And uh, um, uh, just a vivid memory of the power of that, right? Of that blessing being transferred. And, and uh, folks, when Jesus calls us, this is some, the whole letter to Philadelphia is about witness. It's about being a witness, and when Jesus calls us, remember his command in the book of Acts is, you that go for, you, you will be my witnesses. Right? The Great Commission, everything is about being witness. And I believe, I guess what I want us to wrestle with this morning is how much of the gospel and following Jesus has been so selfish, so inward about what this does for me, what Jesus has done for me, even my prayer life. Lord, fix me, God, rather than this idea of this movement outward and, and actually healing and growth and health comes when I make a shift outward to start praying for others, to start asking God to use me, right, in other people's lives. 
It is, he saves us that we might be a light, right, to those around us. I fear that what we've done in America, and I think this, this chapter, or this, this letter specifically has something profound. It's, it's convicted me for sure in the sense of, of boy, where's my zeal for witness? And, and isn't it easy? Let's just all be honest. We all struggle with this. Is we, get just, we're, we live in a culture that's so uh, um, self-absorbed, so uh, about me, about uh, what's going on in my life. Life, right, this this whole therapeutic culture thing, and don't get me wrong, there's a place for therapy, but it has this this power over us, right, that gets us so focused on me, and when the gospel comes in, it just seems like it, it can totally get us wrapped up in me, and uh, boy, aren't we all that way when it comes to prayer or time alone? And I'm telling you, over and over in the scripture, what God wants to do is He wants to shine out. He wants a radical this transition, transformation in our lives where it's not about me. I trust God with me and I start moving out in the midst of moving out and setting my mind on others, praying for others, being available, God, to serve others, right? Is something right. It puts me in a position for the Holy Spirit to come and move and shine through me. And guess what? All that stuff that the enemy wants to keep me so focused about me about, right? There's a radical thing that happens, right? And uh, this is the trajectory we see in, in scripture. Um, Nowhere in it does it say, oh, well, you've got to go through five years, three years, two years, or you've got to go through this whole process of self-healing before you can be an effective witness. We see that nowhere in Scripture. Actually, as soon as we come to faith is the most powerful time to step out and just sharing with people, this is what Christ has done for me. And, and folks, I know my own life is, and, and I have yet in all of my years to see an exception to this rule, is you show me somebody who is asking God for opportunity to talk about Jesus with others, I'm going to show you a person who has a vibrant faith and who has a vibrant spiritual life. Show me somebody who's disillusioned. And folks, just this season we're in, this last couple years in the church and in our culture, it has fleshing out a weak faith, a weak Christianity that's based on me a very self-absorbed gospel rather than one that's based on letting the gospel come in and shine forth right out to others. And you show me somebody who's struggling. You show me somebody who's, 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 who's just uh, down and who's, let's just say, spiritually depressed, right? Um, uh, that's going to be somebody who is not taking steps forward to vibrantly share the love of Jesus with others, I know my own life, when I'm the weakest, oftentimes when I'm struggling the most is when God gives me an opportunity and there's nothing that builds faith like having the opportunity to talk about my Lord with somebody else. There's nothing that jolts me out of my, my yuck or whatever is going on in my life like talking to someone about Jesus. Lord, give me an opportunity. Help me shine my, this light, right? As, as it says, we are the light of the world. To let our light shine before uh, others. Let them see our good works that they may see how we live our good works and they may glorify the Father in heaven. And, and that's a whole, uh, that's a very important verse to understand. That's Matthew 5, 16, to understand when we talk about good works, we're talking about works where Jesus is proclaimed in the midst of that good. We're not talking about just altruistic service out there um, in, that anybody can do, right? That's not talking about just serving that anybody can do. We're talking about serving, but with the vibrant aspect of love in our hearts that God would give us an opportunity in the midst of our service, right, to shine for his glory, Right, so that people would see that. There's something different here. 
It's not just the physical service thing, but it's this, this idea of, of man, who, what, what's going on right in, inside your soul? And uh, folks, Jesus has opened heaven. The veil's been torn. He's conquered death. He's conquered all the, anything that is a barrier between us. Now he says in, in the book of Hebrews, says to access, run into his presence. Run towards him. All of his resources, spiritual resources, are available right, to his children. He's opened heaven so that we can have open doors. Open doors of ministry opportunity. And, um, I, I, and I just lay this, we'll, we'll dive into it here in just a second. I need to speed up. But I, I just want to show you as we go through here just how actually selfish we are in America today. I want to show you how much this, this self-absorbed gospel has really taken hold of us. And just on this one, when you think of open doors, when you think about God providing open doors, what do you think about? What is the main conversation that we have in the church about God opening doors? I hope so. That's good. But that's what it should be. In other words, all in the scripture, when it talks about open doors, it talks about, Paul says, what a wonderful open door has been opened for an opportunity to bring the gospel to this area. But how we have changed it in the church in America is we talk about open doors. Mainly what we talk about is God giving me a personal open door of a decision I need to make in my direction in my life for this or that. Now God does that. Don't get me wrong. He leads and guides us. But the primary thing that my focus should be on is, is the opening, and this is what I'm praying for. Am I praying more absorbed about the vocation door that God's opening for me or the relational door or just go financial door or go down the list of things that we get consumed with? And folks, don't get me wrong. God's, those things are important, but the primary aspect that's going to bring greater clarity to all of that is understanding, is my heart absorbed with, Lord, are you giving me opportunity in my church, an opportunity to shine the light and that I may share with others, that they may see the love of Christ. I just throw that out to you in conversation. When you read books, even all the Christian books that are out there and how much it talks about open doors, you will mainly find aspects of open door language being applied to details, personal things for my life, rather than right this main thing, the scripture when it talks about open doors, it's talking about opportunity, right? To be, to join with Jesus. And folks, there's nothing that brings the abundant life into our life like, under, like knowing that, wow, I'm, I'm parting with the Lord on this, right? He's moving in me and my heart changes. And you know what? Uh, that is where the vast majority of healing takes place in my life is when I take a step of faith out to serve God, be available for God, and share His love Right with others, in 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 the midst of that, God brings incredible healing and life. This is the abundant life. It is impossible for us to lay hold of the abundant life that Jesus promises without being um, involved as a witness, right? As sharing, as being available to Him to be used to minister to other people, and that is honestly what's going on right now. This is a big issue right now in the church is many are struggling deeply, whether it's anxiety, go down the list of things, right? In the sense of what's going on and fear and everything else. And, and it's because we're not sure-footed on the presence of God and my priority, Lord, is to be your partner, to walk with you, God, 
to minister for you. And I trust you. You're going to take care of all these other things. And what does he say in Matthew 6? Seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. And all these things that we get so consumed with, I'll, I'll take care of them. Folks, what would happen if we as Crossroads Church all dedicated our lives right now to seek first his kingdom? What we would think would happen in this church and in, in, in this community if we really took that seriously and, and have that lay over into my prayer life to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness? What do you think would happen? Folks, I, I can tell you what would happen. God would move. He would respond from heaven, right, with doors of opportunity, right, in our community and in, in our lives. So with that said, let's go to Philadelphia because this letter is all about witness. There's some important things here. Verse seven, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the holy one, the true one who has the key of David who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have little power and yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. Oh, because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my, my God out of heaven in my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word of God. Wow. Well, there's a lot here. All right. So let's dive in. The words of the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David. This is, folks, just write down Isaiah 22, 22. This is where, remember, if you have a question about something in the New Testament, the answer is in the Old. Right? Anything that is written in the New Testament, every bit of revelation is taking imagery. It's nothing new. It's connecting with something in the Old Testament. It comes together like a beautiful glove. And, uh, and this is the key of David. All this is talking, we could dive in on this, but in general, let me just say this point, this is the key of David. This is the key, the messianic power. This is the prophesied Messiah who's coming with the kingdom of God and making a way for salvation. It is Jesus who has the key, and what he opens, no one will shut. And uh, in verse eight, he says to the church, I know your works. And he's saying that to all of us as a church right now and to us individually, I know your works. Steve, I know your works. Dan, I know your works. Bryant, I know your works. Becca, I know your works. How does that make you feel? I want to drill in here for a minute. How does that make you feel that God, Jesus, is looking at you, his child, and he knows your work? He knows your works. He's watching. He's evaluating. How does that make you feel? Now, folks, why this is so important, this is absolutely critical for us to drill down on this question um, because this says everything about our relationship with God, how we see God, how we understand God sees us. 
How does that make you feel? Like he sees you and he sees your works. And he's evaluating and he sees us as a church this morning, right now from heaven. Right? We have open access. We've been worshiping him. This open heavens because Jesus has opened, torn the veil. We don't need a priest. We don't need a law. We don't need religion and all the steps. We can come because of Jesus and his grace, what he's done for us to have access into his very presence. The question is, is a church and we as individuals, are we going to take advantage of that incredible open heaven? Right? And lay hold of the resources, the supernatural resources that God has. But folks, I, I would just say this, is how we need to really get in touch with this issue of, boy, how do I see God sees me? This will flesh out, am I living under the gospel or not? This is going to flesh out, do I really know him or not? And it's too many people, I think, they don't even go there because there's this, this guilt. There's this kind of, uh, this, this, this unhealthy fear. There's this uh, idea of, of uh, maybe I'm not worthy or, or something. And, and all those things are not biblical things. They're things that need to be laid at his feet and the truth of God replacing those lies. We need to understand that God sees us if we are his with gracious eyes with the eyes of a savior and a father who's with a great cloud of witnesses, right? Saying, come on, let's go. Right, what do you say in Ephesians 2? I've got good works for you to do. I've got things for you to do. Let's go. Come, right, to me. Seek, ask, knock. I will grant these things to you. Let's get busy, right? And, and, and not one of, of cowering away or one that is, has a barrier. And even worse, many people, in, in, if we dive deep on this question, there's a barrier because of some, uh, something in the past, some trauma, something that we have really, we got to dig down, but we are actually holding against God. And folks, that will shut a person down from the blessings of heaven, right? If we don't get that right with God. So we start there. And he goes, he says, behold, I have set before you an open door which no one's able to shut. I know that you have a little power and yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name. Um, okay, what does it mean when he says, I know church, the church in Philadelphia, you have a little power. Little background, the church in Philadelphia is the youngest of all the seven churches and it was, it was uh, um, planted, let's just say, by a, a Greek um, back in... I think it was 2200 BC, roughly. And it was planted, it was started, it's made in Philadelphia because the king who planted it um, was going to hand it over to his brother who loved him. Philadelphia means, right, the, the brotherly love. And it was planted with, it's in, it's in a, the gateway between really the Greek world and, the, and Asia. And it was planted with the purpose of being an a outpost to propagate Greek culture to Asia. So built into this city is this, this pagan, right, worldly missionary idea of we are going to plant this city at the gateway so that we can push Greek culture throughout Asia, right? And what Jesus is telling the church there, who is to be his witness, right, in this place, he says, I know you have, that you have a little power. And folks, that Greek word is dunamis, and it means just that, little power. What does Jesus say in the book of Acts? He says, wait here. Before you go out there, wait here in Jerusalem until you are in power, until I give you dunamis so that you can serve me. And he goes on to this church, and he says, but you've kept, even with having little power, and that power, as we're going to see through this whole letter, is about witness. 
is that um, they had little effective fruit in their witnessing to this culture because it was so Greek culture. It was so um, uh, uh, dark and, and, and they just had bearers and they were under so much persecution. They, they had little fruit and dunamis power to effectively witness and see people's lives radically turn to Jesus. And, and Jesus comes to them, there was this incredible encouraging message and he says, because, right, you have have kept my word and not denied my name, behold, I'm going to, and here's the open door, behold, I'm going to make the very people, your worst enemies, I'm going to open a door and you're going to bring you, I'm bringing you into a season of incredible fruit. I'm going to open a door and bring you into an incredible season, even your worst enemies, the synagogue of Satan, are going to come and bow down and they're going to know that I've loved you. They're going to, right? you're going to have effective fruit with them. They're going to recognize um, Jesus, the one that they have persecuted. What, what a promise. And you could just write down in the margin by Isaiah 45, 14. That's where that comes from, this idea of them bowing down. And it's this beautiful idea that God, in the Old Testament, of God taking the arch enemies of Israel and them coming and this, this opening up of their eyes where they, and read, the, read Isaiah 45 if you get a chance. It says, we, we've got to come. We've got to come be with you because God is with you. We recognize God is really among you. That's revival. That's what happens when people start to have, be awakened, right? They start getting hungry for God and they want to be where God is. And Jesus says, I'm opening this door for you because you've kept my word and not denied my name. Now, what does that mean? They've kept my word. I want to give you just three things, um, just uh, something hopefully to write down or think about when it comes to keeping his word. Keeping his word, it begins. And this is just something I think we should think about as we read the word, as we grow in our faith. And the first one is um, we're to know his word. We're to study the word with the motivation to know him. Not academically. Always my study, my knowledge of the word is, should be, because I want to know you, God. So I have to check myself there. The next thing is, is that we have to listen to the word of God, that we may follow him. We may listen to the word, and, and has anybody taught you? We have a lot of Bible studies, but, but have you been taught how to listen, how to wait and listen? Is Megan used those words up here, in the midst of listening prayer. Did you get that? It's very important. Have you been taught how to wait, take some truth of God and wait, let it sink in, and Lord, I'm listening. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I need to hear your word. This is what should be happening in our microchurches and other places and in our discipleship groups. And so we listen so we might follow him, that we might get a, hear his leading in our lives, right? And the final one is we're to obey the word of God. And what's my motivation? Why do I, should I obey? Because I want to please him more than myself. I want to please God more than my flesh. I want to please God more than I want to please the world or man, anybody else. I want to please God first. That's why I want to obey the word. Now that's just a little bit of what it means to keep the word of God and not denying his name. You know what that is? That is when I have the opportunity to lift his name up. Even if there's not good response, even if like in the church of Philadelphia was struggling and not getting a lot of fruit and not getting people hungry who want to talk about Jesus, I'm going to keep bringing it up. I'm going to keep talking about my Lord. I'm going to keep bringing Jesus up. I'm not going to cower when somebody says, oh, you can't mention his name here. Well, then I just can't be there because I don't go anywhere without his name. They kept his name. 
They kept his name. This is, this is so, so important, right? And, um, all right. Oh, I need to hurry. So, um, because you've kept my word and patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world. Okay, I'm going to leave that for another time. We're going to do a whole message just on the idea of the rapture itself and understanding that whole thing in this series. Um, but just a little, a little giveaway. I do not think that this is saying that God is going to keep going to rapture his church before the tribulation. Because you'll find that nowhere in any of these other letters. You'll find that no tone, nowhere in the New Testament that he's going to keep his people from, uh, take them out of the tribulation. He'll keep them just like he, he protected Israel during the plagues, the wrathful plagues in Egypt. He didn't take them out of Egypt. He protected them in the midst of it. We'll come back to that though um, in this series. Um, I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Oh, so the New Testament speaks about the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, right? The, uh, the crown of glory that you will get if you conquer. If That's what Jesus wants to award you, his child, to be being faithful in this, this life to him. But there's another idea that Paul talks about a crown. And he talks in, Phil, uh, in the Philippians and Colossians and a couple other places I think about, he says, you are my crown. In other words, those that he had witnessed to, those that he had led to Jesus, those are his crowns. He says, when I get to heaven, you're my crown. You're my joy, he says. And when, when, when Jesus tells his church, hey, keep at it, right? Though you've kept my word and, and my name is, I know it's hard. You haven't seen much fruit. He says, stay at it and, and watch that no one seizes your, watch that your zeal to share my name. Watch that your zeal to be a witness for me. Watch for your desire to pray for opportunities to share me doesn't fall away. That no one would steal your crown, the crown of, of having, knowing that, hey, I got, to share, I got to lead, I got to pray this person to, to Jesus. I got to share Jesus with this person. That is what the enemy is wanting to seize, right, and shut down in his church. And I fear, Lord, today in America, we have, in the name of relevance and, and being whatever, just got on the list of things, we, we have lightened, right, our, 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 our call of obedience to be a witness of his greatness. And look at this. Look at these promises. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, the name of my city. And folks, this idea of naming is claiming. This is who you are. When he's talking about writing the names of all this on you as his child, this means this is your inheritance. This is who you are. This is what you're a part of. And the full inheritance that goes along with all these things is yours. Uh, this is what Jesus is, is talking about here. Just write down Psalm 84 next to this whole section. And I just want to give you a little, a little taste of that this morning, just as we kind of uh, try to wrap things up to this, this idea of open heaven and open doors. Um, folks, if we want open doors in our life, if we want real healing in our lives, there is nothing, nothing, Nothing more essential and powerful than to learn to be in the presence of God. To learn. And, and I just ask you, has anybody taught you? Has anybody taught you how to just be and enjoy the presence of God? Because here's the deal. I just read this idea. I will make you, Jesus says to you, I'm going to make you a pillar in the house of God. I'm going to write my name on you and all these things. Does that excite you? I, I just want, I'm going to throw it out. Right? Christians in America, this is, is like, oh, whatever, I don't know. I mean, that sounds cool, I guess. But here's the deal. If I'm not enjoying his presence right now, guess what? 
It's, it's, it's going to be hard to enjoy it later. The big question is, am I enjoying his presence? And people say, well, gosh, you know, church gathering together, what's the big deal? And I got plenty of other things to do. Everything's, we're kind of changing times now. Folks, this is primarily to enjoy his presence. And it's a command of God to gather together and to encourage each other as we gather in the presence of God. And, and Psalm 84 is one of my favorites. Um, Derek Elkin, come on up. Um, listen to this. This is the heart of someone who understood the presence of God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, it faints for the courts of the Lord. Can you relate? Can, can the church in America relate? In our discipleship, have you been taught how to enjoy his presence? How to linger in prayer? To listen to him? We're a fast-moving, right? People, we, we don't have time for that. If I don't have time for that, guess what? I'm not going to experience the open heaven, the blessings of God, the reality of this supernatural life and what God has for me, and I surely am not going to be effective in witness. And God's, and see dunamis, right? Come, come again. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. My heart and flesh sing for joy. Now, just a little side note. There's no exception in the Bible to not bring your whole body into worship. My heart, my inside, my flesh, my outside is to be brought in worship before God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. <laughs> ah, Lord, if there's any prayer we should have for us and for our children, it's right here. Folks, I can just tell you, if you want, bond, if you want bondage broken in the area of addiction, any addiction it is, the, be, the best solution, the absolute only way to break and tear off something um, is, is to give a desire for the presence of God. And when that happens, guess what? Is no tense of wickedness, no, no temptation out there. It has nothing on me. I want none of that. I, I want the presence of God. I want nothing. Better in your day is better than a thousand doing anything else, God. Lord, give us that desire. And folks, here's the reality. A lot of us, we just struggle with that. We all struggle with that. This is why we need to be disciples. We need to have someone show me how to do that. This is why we need to come to church, just to be quiet before him and enjoy his presence and learn that, right? And in smaller contexts, right, as well. All right, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna end on this one thing. Yikes. Um, Gang, I, I, I is studying this chapter, and there's so much more here. Just take, it, take some time in, in the Word. Let the Lord speak to you. But folks, I believe that. I believe that message is for us at Crossroads. Very specifically. I believe, at least for the last 20 years, we've kept His Word. We haven't waffled. I believe we've kept His Word. I believe we have not denied His name. Now, we got a lot of work to do in those areas. But let's be honest. Our fruit, our evangelistic fruit of seeing people get hungry and radically saved in this place has been tough. We have little dunamis. We have little power actively working and seeing lives change. But when I read that, I was like, yeah, Lord. <laughs> 
And what would shift if we started thinking about Jesus now is saying to us, oh, I'm going to open a door for you. The very people, the, the people that you had thought would never in their wildest dreams think about God, I'm going to open their hearts. And they're going to come and realize they want to be where, where God's presence is, among the people of God. And folks, I ask you to join me in that expectation, the receiving of that reality, right, as a church for this place, maybe one of the hardest places on earth to share Jesus because people in this town, they don't need God. At least they don't think they do, right? So Father, just ask you to move, Lord. Lord, I, I take that open heaven. Lord, I take this, this word to the church. And you say, Lord, he was ears to hear what, what you say. And Lord, Father, I pray for that open door. Lord, I pray for a zeal, Lord, to, to move among your people, Lord. To share your love and your grace, Lord. Overwhelm us, Lord, with your presence. Lord, that we might have your presence in us to be able to give it. As you said, Jesus, streams of living water, that it would overflow from us, Lord, to others. I ask for dunamis. We need power. We can't do this. It's impossible to just do this. This is no... We need you. We need your spirit to move. May you come and move. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.